Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Big Ticket, Variety and iHeart's weekly podcast. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Today, I've got Shania Twain. I sat down with the country superstar while she was in Los Angeles promoting her new movie, I Still Believe. Twain opened up about almost losing her voice because of Lyme disease, her battle with music executives early in her career, and why she wants to work with, get ready for this, Post Malone. I'll have that and a whole lot more after the break. Stick around. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Here's Shania Twain. How are you? I'm great. Thank I'm you. I'm so excited to be sitting down with you. I think the last time I really saw you in person was Staples Center. Yeah, my husband and I went to see you at Staples. When, like, how many years ago was that? It might, I think it was right when I started Variety, actually. It was. It was right when I started Variety. So about two years ago. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. So how are you? Absolutely. I'm doing great. I feel great. It's sunny and... Life is good. Do you like L.A.? I love L.A., yeah. yeah. I really do. What it's, do you, what do you it. love about it? I love the food. <laughs> As a vegetarian, it can be Are you vegetarian, when you travel vegetarian, a lot. vegan? I'm not vegan. vegan. Okay. But, you know, it's difficult when you're on the road a lot and you're traveling a lot and you're um, already uh, limited to... A small portion of most people, most, most places, right. you know, many is right. So, um, LA is one of those places where even if it's not a vegetarian restaurant, <laughs> you'll have a lot of options. options. <laughs> so I just love that freedom mm-hmm. and good quality too. I mean, people really take their food seriously. When, here. Did, when did you go vegetarian? I've been a vegetarian for like, I guess, I mean, 27 years. Wow. Even more. Yeah. And now are you good at making vegetarian dishes? I'm pretty good, yeah. Yeah? Ha, ha, ha. Does that sound like I'm bragging? No, I, I actually, ask. Well, I love cooking. I mm-hmm. love being in the kitchen. It's my, I lo- that's my favorite room in the house, the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got pretty good at um, making things that were pleasing to even non-vegetarians, right. right? That's the tough thing. And <laughs> so I think it challenges you to be a better better cook a better right. food you know um yeah just better with food so let's talk about i still believe how did you get involved i was invited and i think it was um i had done a um a last minute role playing john travolta's girlfriend in trading paint and directors just talk to each other and and I was asked by the directors, the Urban Brothers, to if I was interested in doing this. Because this is well, like your second, yeah, act, like after the John Travolta movie, That's right? That's it. I mean, I I had done a um, an, like an actual acting role on uh, Broad City mm-hmm. in New York, and which was genius. <laughs> it, is, it really is genius, and it was such a great experience. I was still, I was playing Shania Twain, but a very extrovert one. <laughs> and maybe that was a really good introduction in some sense uh, to acting because it's like, wow, you can really get away with a lot when you're not, you know, being really, when you're stepping out of yourself. Right, right. So, and then if you take on a, a role that is not even associated to you, you really are stepping out of 
yourself. And I like that element of it. I like that you can still, uh, I mean, you can be creative within it, but it's collaborative. I like collaborative environments if I'm with nice people. <laughs> um, and the spirit of this particular movie, um, I still believe is so magnetic that I was, it was an instant, I'd be honored to, you know, be a part of this beautiful, telling this beautiful story. So tell us the story. Well, Jeremy Camp is a singer-songwriter, a Christian artist, very successful one. And um, he, it's a real life story. Mm. He falls in love with uh, a girl that has terminal cancer. In college, they fall in love. In yes. college, they're, they're young. Yeah. They're just, yes, early college age, right? <laughs> yep. So, knowing that she's going to die, they, they marry. They just don't let, they just do not let uh, anything stand in their way of being together um, and showing unconditional love. They didn't shy away from it. Mm -hmm. No fe fear did not get in the way of love right. in this case. And I think, I mean, I learned a lot from it just from the standpoint of human nature and how could somebody so young, two people so young, dive so deep mm. into such an unconditional state of emotion. And um, so the story is just really about that ultimate right. unconditional love. And you play Jeremy's mom. And I play, I play Jeremy's mom. And of course, would have been heartbreaking for the mother, um, for Terry Camp, to see her son walking into the biggest heartbreak of his life. Right. That what mm. would be the biggest heartbreak of his life. How do you stand there and watch that? Um, Without most, trying most, to change their mind, maybe, or right, something. because most people would, I mean, the truth is most people would walk away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, yes, most, well, I mean, I don't know. If, I, it's, a, it's such a unique It's a difficult position. thing, right? Yeah, you right. don't really know what would you do in that same situation. But all right. you can do, all you can do when you are witnessing that situation is admire it, right? Mm -hmm. And be inspired. And I think that the parents also felt that way. Mm. I feel like the mother of Jeremy, Terry, thought, I, this is what I was imagining and feeling, you know, just, you can't stand in his way and supporting him is the, is the best way to help him. Mm. And it's a movie about a singer. And it's a movie about a singer. So didn't you want to sing right. in the movie? <laughs> well, I related. I love the fact that... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I love the fact that it was um, music associated because I do think that, well, I believe very strongly that music is, you know, one of our best communicators of emotion. Mm -hmm. You know, when we don't know what to say, we put it, we put on a song that says it for yeah. us, or um, when we when we're not even sure what we're feeling, we put on music and instinctively. 
we choose things that bring it out of us. Right. You know, bring it out of us. So, um, of course, I related very well to the, the way Jeremy um, had used music and had um, right. written music that was helping him express. Now, had people come to you before earlier for acting? I would think they would. Um, I've been um, handed many scripts. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, um, it, it was always a revisiting uh, question. Do mm -hmm. you want to, you know, are you sure you don't want to try acting? And it wasn't that I didn't want to, but I was just busy doing music. Right. I wear a lot of hats in my musical career. I I. You know, I'm I'm involved with the art direction, the styling. I write. I'm 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 really much very big into writing my own treatments, writing um, the direction of my shows, and and it's just too much. Too much. Just no no time to you know uh, take on a new adventure of you know, something that would demand my time, and and I I would want to be good at it, right? <laughs> I wouldn't want to be casual about right. it so um but now I, you know i'm a mom and i'm i'm just busy i'm a busy lady so now um i have more time i have my voice back i have because that was another journey that was taking a lot of my time that a lot of people didn't know recovering. about yeah. right so now i'm in really a good place where i'm like okay um I'm ready for to learn something new and to take on something new mm. and to explore this avenue that is turning out to be so fun mm. and somewhere I feel very comfortable and natural in. What was it like acting opposite John Travolta? Oh, gosh, <laughs> and I was his girlfriend. You were so, John Travolta's girlfriend. Go ahead. <laughs> so there was romance involved and... Well, he's such a wonderful guy anyway. He's so sweet and kind, and he was very nurturing about it. Um, and I did say to him, I'm like, you know, I've never I've never played a character in my life, so right. um, I don't know how it's going to go. <laughs> this is a completely new experience. And he's like, don't worry, I got you. And he really did. He's just a really good, he's a good friend. Mm. And he's sincere, and that put me at ease. But it has to be surreal when the director calls action, and you're like, this is the guy from Saturday Night Fever. This is the guy from Greece. It has to be a moment where you're just like, what's, what's going on? It's interesting, because this is what I discovered about acting, or that I, the way I would feel about it, and in the moment, is that I just turn off all of those other things. I'm just mm. not distracted, mm. which surprised me. I thought I would be very distracted and then I would be nervous and that I would be um, preoccupied with things like what you just said, you know, like <laughs> who, who am I standing across <laughs> from? And But no, I was in the moment, in the character, in the, in, 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 in the other actors' characters mm -hmm. and just, you know, uh, I wasn't thinking about anything else to be, and mm. I don't know uh, how I was able to do that so easily. <laughs> but it it is it was it's like a switch, right? Yeah. So let's talk about getting your voice back. Yeah. People didn't know it was Lyme disease. Yes. Right. 
So, of course, um, I say of course just because it, it seemed really obvious in the moment when I when I lost my voice. First, I lost more, it was more like volume. You know, I couldn't mm. project. Couldn't call out for the dog. Didn't, you know, mm. couldn't really, I, w- I wasn't really heard very well on the phone. Couldn't um, speak in loud environments, atmospheres. And I thought, oh, well... You know, I, I'm just coming off this tour. It was the up tour mm-hmm. and I'm tired. I'm right. I'm I'm a new mom and I'm uh you know the, the, the tour was long and demanding. I'm a wife, I'm a songwriter, I'm all of these things. Um I'm jet lagged. <laughs> <laughs> but it never came never came, never came. So month after month I'm like, okay, what is going on? I still don't have the projection. Um, and I, I thought, okay, well, this is something more permanent and something more serious. No, uh, voice doctor could explain it. They were like, okay, it's probably psychological. Mm. And I'm thinking, yeah, okay, well, I've, I would buy that if it was just like a fatigue. It's like, you know, right. related to fatigue. But I mean... But it's just your voice that I'm recovered now. Like, I'm, I'm rested now. Why is this not coming back? I didn't buy it. And I was sure it was some sort of physiological uh, thing. But it wasn't my vocal cords, apparently. Not my vocal cords. So, okay, I, now that I've looked at my vocal cords probably 10 times uh, over years of trying to figure out what is wrong, wow. hoping another specialist would see something else, um, one specialist says, I want you to uh, be checked by my neurologist. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I mean, I don't know what that would have to do with my voice, uh, but sure. So they do a very uncomfortable test and put um, five needles into your larynx. And then you have to phonate. Yes, it's terrible. I don't want to say it's terrible in case you have to, anybody ever has to get it done. It's, it's worth getting it done. You've got to do it. So um, these needles register the, um, the nerve response while you're speaking, while you're wow. phonating. Um, and it just tells you exactly how your nerves, nerves are yeah. responding and you have one nerve to each vocal cord and both my vocal cords were uh were weak mm. not not the vocal cords the, the nerves. nerves both nerves were damaged okay so now we understand why i'm getting this flanging effect and right. why air you know why i wasn't getting projection because the air is escaping right so it's sort of like trying to speak with a, uh, a straw in your mouth, mm. air is escaping and you just can't, um, uh, connect the, the, the pressure that you need in order to, mm. uh, project. So what to do? Uh, the specialist, uh, Dr. Zytel, uh, Dr. Zadiloff says, well, I'm an opera singer and I've had to have this surgery as well. Wait, your doctor said he was an opera singer? That's right. The surgeon. <laughs> the surgeon. Okay, yeah. He's a, he's a neck, head, cancer 
surgeon specialist, okay? Slash opera singer. But he's an opera singer. So so he and very involved with the with the with the classical community in Philadelphia. So he says I had to have he had cancer surgery. Mm. I don't remember whether it was the thyroid, something thyroid. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he had to have this surgery for the cancer. And it damaged the nerves to his vocal cords, which is unfortunately a very common uh, mishap right. in any neck surgery. Um, you know, neck surgery. Right, right. Not, you know, the vocal cords. Typical. Yep. Yeah. And so he says, I've had it done, and I can tell you all about it through experience, by way of experience. And what they do is they put little Gore-Tex braces, crutches, um, on either side of your larynx to make up for uh, the weakness in your nerves, in the nerves. And it just works. So now I have, I mean, when I'm laughing, I'm the loudest one in the room, Uh, (laughs) you know, things like that. Right. And I can belt it out now. And um, my voice is different and I do have to still um, navigate, Mm -hmm. but I mean, I'll take it. You know, I'm just so grateful to be able to sing again and enjoy my voice, enjoy uh, vocal expression of Mm -hmm. any kind. Was there ever a time where you thought I'm never going to get it back? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, because I, I get, went through seven years. Through, how do you get through that? I was very sad about it. I was grieving. It was, it's a genuine grief. Um, mm. I felt like I'd lost, well, I'd lost one of my um, limbs, I felt like. It's just, it's like, I have to re, I have to, I just, you know what it felt, you know, what it felt like was, you know, when you, have you ever had a nightmare where you're screaming and nobody can hear you? Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it what it felt like, all those years. Like nobody can like nobody can hear me. I can't get it out, and I can't or and I can't get it out in the way that I want to get it out. So what um, was it like getting back on that stage? And obviously, you know, it would take time. You mm-hmm. probably had to do a lot of therapy, physical, vocal therapy. But what was it like getting on the stage to perform for the first time after all of this? Well, before I had the surgery, I opted for, which was very, of course, um, it was conservative but wise um, by my doctor. Dr. Zadloff said, first try, let's try, um, you know, um, exercises, just voice therapy um, and physical therapy. All kinds of things. I've I've done so many therapies. Okay, I know a lot <laughs> about the voice therapies now, um, like the head and neck therapies right. and laryngeal therapies, speech therapy, all of that. And it brought me a long way, but it was with so much effort mm. that by the time I was able to perform live on stage, I was I could only get my warm up down to two hours. So now I've got two hours of warm up and I've got an hour and a half of performance. How can I maintain this level of energy? Right. And I'm only get, only getting older. So I go back to Dr. Sadloff and I say, I'm achieving a lot right now, 
but it's exhausting me and physically. And, and he says, and you know what? You're only getting older. <laughs> so he said, this fatigue that you're feeling now and like all of the musculature that you're trying to maintain um, is only going to get more lax and slack. Right which is our problem, you know, with, with, with voices. And he's like, okay, so the next step would be to um, support that. And this is what I suggest. And it's just, and so anyway, then it was so, then there's another recovery, which is after the operation. Right. And then I had to have a second one because there was a tish, soft tissue problem after the first one. Oh my gosh, anyway, nightmare. So months after to really be able to... Um, I still have scars there, which I kind of like them. <laughs> they remind me of, of where I've been and where right. I've, you know, Because if you've come through that, that's, mm -hmm. you can't even describe it for someone to feel. Yeah, it's sort of what you said, like you have to describe it like having a nightmare and no one's hearing you. Right. I, and I couldn't live that way. Right. I'm like, sure. Listen, if you've been through it yourself as the surgeon, you're a singer, this is as close as I'm going to get to somebody who understands right. what's happening and what I got to do about it. And, and the reality of whether it would work or not. And, you know, just facing that, but speaking right. to somebody that understood it, I was, I just, I'm like, no, well, <laughs> it's better than the alternative because right. I'm, you know, I'm never going to be able to sustain this. And that means I'm going to have to f stop my career. Now we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, Twain details her battles with music producers early in her career and what happened when they told her she was too sexy and too, quote-unquote, male-threatening. Plus, wait till you hear what a fan she is of Post Malone. It's all coming up after the break. Lancaster, South Carolina is in the middle of not much. But growing up nearby, I knew it as the hometown of a black man named Jim Duncan, who became a Super Bowl hero. Duncan, up to the 15, the 20. Now my new podcast, Return Man, I'll discover that his death still makes no sense at all. The story was that my brother went into the police station, took a gun off a police officer, and shot himself in the head. Most people don't believe that. For the past three years at the Rock Hill Herald, I've looked back at a story that's timelier than ever. Breaking news. Don't shoot! Have you got some time to talk? It involves race, the mental state of the person, and a town that was scared to death to say anything. Listen to Return Man on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you took away the date and time, could you imagine that happening today? Yes, you can. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Here's more of my sit-down with Shania Twain. Okay, so who would you love to work with right now that would surprise me? Oh, boy, I have a long list of people that, that would surprise you. Um, well, I want to work with Post Malone. Ding. What do you want to do with Post Malone and why Post Malone? Okay, so I'm in this really, really neat phase of getting reunited with my fans from 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, could be 25 years ago. 20 years ago, you know, right, right around all of these like triple diamond <laughs> long period of, you know, momentum. Yep. And 
a huge number of my fans then were little kids, like two, three, six years old. And they're now grown up. And there are people like, you know, there's a lot of celebrities that are now grown up that were the little kid fans. Right. Post Malone is one of them. Wait, wait, so how did this, how did you find this out? How did this happen? Well, they just say it. I, <laughs> and, and it's the coolest thing. It's just so organic. Like, you know, somebody, uh, well, the, the first way I heard about Post Malone was he was on Jimmy Fallon and, and, um, Jimmy Fallon says, you know, so what is, what does Post Malone do backstage waiting to go on for a show? And I think that particular show was, um, uh, I think it was Coachella mm-hmm. or, or on the store, right, okay? right. like something big, right? right? And it's backstage and he goes, well, when I'm backstage, we need to go on for a show. I don't know. I, I hang out with Shania Twain. And I had seen him backstage and it was just a really fun, cool moment, but I didn't really, I didn't realize that it stuck with him and then it mattered. And then in another interview later on down the line, he then says, oh yeah, you know, I grew, you know, I, I would always listen to Shania Twain in the car, you know what, in the car seat, <laughs> yeah. in the car, you know, my mom driving and Shania Twain just playing on repeat type of thing. So it's the story of a lot of artists now in their twenties right. that are reflecting and um, and we're like reunited. Uh, <laughs> I'm because now I'm like working again. Now that I've got my voice again, right. I'm working again, and it's it's like wow. I've it's not like starting over, but it it's like being reunited with uh, where I left off. Mm. Um, and they make it all very feel, feel very real and tangible. Right. Because they're, I mean, I wouldn't, it, it's just really funny because I look into my audiences and I go, okay, where are all these people in their 20s <laughs> coming from? Because I was expecting when I went back on tour for the audience to be my age, you right. know? Right. And m- so many of them are, um, in their 20s. So, you know, Harry Styles and, the Jonas Brothers and um, just, I mean, it's crazy how many of them there are and they, and, and they're really, really fun to talk to because (laughs) they, they all have the similar story. (laughs) And when I talk to the audience, it's the same thing. Right. Um, It'll be, you know, a bunch of little girl, you know, girls that were just little kids at at a a sleepover or something listening (laughs) to Shania Twain and now they're 25. So, and they're still coming together to the shows. So when are you getting in the studio with Post Malone? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm organizing that. I'm on to him. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, no, it's just really wonderful. And you know, I when I first met Post Malone, um, he was warming up for Justin Bieber, and he had only had like about fifteen or twenty minutes on stage, and he wasn't. Wow. So he didn't have a, like he didn't have much time up there yet, and. I loved his voice. I loved his whole way. And I went to the Bieber show to see Post Malone. And I was able to get backstage because my people know Bieber's people. Well, because also you're Shania Twain. And, okay, yeah. Okay. No, no, that's true. So, but I, so anyway, so I'm like, okay, I love Justin Bieber. 
But I could see Justin Bieber, um, you know, anywhere. He's always touring. Right. Um, I, I had actually already seen him live, and I was there to see Post Malone. So I'm waiting side stage for Post Malone to get off. And uh, his guy pulls him over and says, hey, Post, uh, Shania Twain would like to meet you. Can she get a picture with you? And I'm, and he's like, okay, sure. <laughs> like, she wants to meet me. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I don't know. How does he even know who I am? I didn't think he was even going to know you're who so I was. But so I needed sure. to get a... I mean, <laughs> no, but why, why would... Like... It, that's unlikely. So I'm just going, I'm taking us back full circle to unlikely. <laughs> so how in the world, why would I imagine that this, you know, the coolest dude ever and, and brilliant, like current lyricist, uh, um, trend setting mm-hmm. guy in his twenties know who Shania Twain was. And, he was like all excited and totally knew who I was. And, and of course, then I realized later that he was, he knew, he knows all my songs. So has, <laughs> so have you been inspired to get some face tattoos? No, no, but doesn't, so my backstage photo with him, the minute he walks off stage, he doesn't have those tattoos yet. <gasps> wow. So the photo is so, it's so cool to have this photo. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I think he's just got one little fine one. <laughs> the fine bob wired one <laughs> that you can barely see in the right. photo, right? And yeah. So this was our first meet and I think we're just destined to to jam and, and just creatively get together. We, you know, I just, I don't know. I think we just have a, uh, connections. But isn't that like That's a amazing. surprise, right? <laughs> when, uh, so Dixie Chicks. They're ah. back. You did, mm. you performed, well, not with them, but the Super Bowl, same yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah. How excited are you to see that the Dixie Chicks are back, can be back? Oh, gosh. Um, I was devastated that they, that they were gone. Um, or that they'd been kicked out is a better word, probably, mm-hmm. right? Um I was so sad about it. I was, um, I'm, I'm a huge fan. They're extremely talented and I, um, missed hearing their music. I've, um, I love them as people. I, I go see them live and, um, I've always just had only respect. Do you think country music, we talk about this a lot in the office, actually, about country music. Is it opening up where, you know, like a Dixie T- Chicks scenario, could that happen again today? Or Lil Nas, right. who's being accepted by the country music community, you know, a few years ago, would that happen? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm all for inclusion. I'm, I really get uncomfortable um, in any scenario um, where... There is, um, you know, any kind of rejection mm. um, and judgment of something just that's maybe different. Mm-hmm. And it makes me, it just makes me very uncomfortable and un- uneasy. So I feel great about this period that we're in right. and that, and that it's just not acceptable, acceptable to be, uh, 
you know, it's just not acceptable to be prejudiced and mm-hmm. judgmental. Um, just and and hurtful. Mm. It's not it's not cool to be hurtful. Mm. And um, so I just love this. I love that we are thinking with a, with broader minds that we're we have a better, a more accepting spirit. And besides, I don't really want to be in a world of art that is closed-minded. Mm. There's no place for that. I mean, this is what. There's it's no art. right or wrong. To right. Be, there's no right or wrong to art. Right. Like who said? How can that be? You know? So it's changed a lot since the '90s. It's changed a lot. <laughs> I had to have big shoulders during that time for sure. <laughs> why it's do you okay, say? Though. Why do you say that? Well, I was, you know, in the '90s, I was, um, I was just coming into, I was a late bloomer, so I was just coming into starting to feel. I mean, this, I don't mean this in a corny way, but I was just starting to feel like a woman. Mm-hmm. I had spent. Um, for example, all of my high school years, I was, I would go to school in boys' clothes, um, loose loose clothes, um, oversized, you know, hockey jerseys and loose track pants and stuff like that. I didn't feel comfortable wearing things that flattered my new curves. Mm. And I was always very sporty. I was very tomboyish as a child. And when I started to fill in, I was bashful about it and insecure about it. So mm. I hid that. I, I wasn't proud of it. I was shy of it. But when I got this opportunity to make a video, all of a sudden, I felt like I can step out of myself a little bit and explore a different kind of creativity. Mm-hmm. And I'd gone through a phase of performance after my parents died that took me way out of my comfort zone. All of a sudden, now I'm on stage wearing high heel shoes, sequin gowns, um, you know, flattering, sexy costumes in this show and I'm which of which I'm just one of the lead singers one of the four lead singers and I did this as a job right because I was not that kind of singer I was a you know country rock pop folk freestyle barefoot (laughs) on stage singer okay so I learned a lot. Mm -hmm. I was working with real dancers who literally had to teach me how to walk in high heels. (laughs) Because I couldn't do them. I couldn't do that and sing at the same time. (laughs) I'm like, guys, you know, I, and I had to walk, I had to walk up and down stairs in high heels in a dress that weighed Mm -hmm. 25 pounds, (laughs) you know, sequin beaded dress. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm just... And I had to uh, uh, wear makeup and lipstick and all. I'm just, it was very glam. And so I didn't really like 
you know, having to do it as a job, but I learned so much from it that by the time it was time to make my first video, I'm like, oh, I can do do that. I can experiment with this. And I think it's actually quite cool to have curves. See what I'm saying? So I'm like, like discovering that it's quite fun. So here's me with my lovely free-spirited, new-spirited, free-spirited self of thinking I'm enjoying being a woman and being curvy. And I think that it's um, wonderful to flatter your what you have. And, uh, and then, you know, the, the country music uh, industry was not ready for that. And so mm. um, everyone around me was like, I don't think that that's going to work. You know, no bra, uh, open midriff. Um, your lyrics are really, like, very dominating. And I w- they didn't use the word empowering because that's not the way they... They didn't see it as female empowering. They saw it more as a threat. That's what was it. They well, used the word threat. Was it mostly men who were telling you this? Everyone. Wow. Everyone was telling me. Sorry. No, everyone was telling me, you are threatening. This is very male threatening. And so this is what they were telling me. The lyrics are male threatening. And uh, the brawless... Uh, you know, midriff, sort of more free, feminine spirit was going to threaten the women. And I said, all right, my intentions are pure. And what I sing about and how I portray myself is who I am. And I believe that both men and women will sense that and feel that. And I just, sorry. So I just pushed through and I said, I just, I have to do it this way. And, um, I'm, I'm a, I'm a proud woman. I like being a woman. I'm sure they like being a woman too. Like we're in this together. And that was the attitude. I feel like you're going to start singing. (laughs) (laughs) That was the spirit of the music. So the music and the visuals belonged together and they had to go together. So um, I was criticized for it, of course. And I think it was really more, it was just a little bit scary and new. And there was a lot of unknown to it. And I think that people thought I was going to get rejected by the public as well is what the great fear was. And so why invest in this artist if, you know, they thought it was self-destructive. And here you are now. Here I am now. <laughs> Look at I'm you so now. I'm wrong. <laughs> I felt instinctively that that was, that I needed to follow my true self. Shania Twain, this was awesome. That was Shania Twain. Her new movie, I Still Believe, is in theaters on March 13th. Now, coming up next week... Logan Lerman, the actor stars opposite Al Pacino in Amazon's Hunters. Find out what he has to say about his first day working with the legendary actor, plus he weighs in on some of the controversy surrounding the series. 
Thanks for listening to The Big Ticket. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Mark Malkin and check Variety.com for all the latest breaking Hollywood news. See you next time. Hold up. 